I'm gonna fight them all A seven nation army couldn't hold me back They're gonna rip it up Taking their time right behind my back And I'm talking to myself at night Because I can't forget Back and forth through my mind Behind a cigarette And the message coming from my eyes Says leave it alone Well that's kind of it It's a big army And uh <laughs> And it's a sweet dream. I thought today's show, I could start it off with um, part one of an interview that President Trump had. Before we get into discussion of time. Now, those of you that are watching uh, on my screen, I have a picture that for me is extremely disturbing, but truth. As you can see, it's depicted as good and evil in the shape and form of what you consider to represent medicine or healing. And I think there's so much that I want to talk about, um, but I think it's uh, a good time to talk about time. <laughs> but before we do that and we delve into time, um, I think it's important to just listen to the first part of this interview uh, with President Trump. Here we go. Let's start this. For joining us tonight for this special edition of Real America. The Real America team and myself have traveled to Bedminster, New Jersey, where for the past hour, nearly hour and a half, I sat down with President Donald J. Trump for an exclusive face-to-face -face interview. We discussed an array of topics, from the crisis in Afghanistan to the crisis at our southern border, the flailing economy, his COVID response versus a Joe Biden, and pretty much everything Trump versus what we are seeing today under this Biden regime. For the next hour and 10 minutes, I hope you'll stick with us and enjoy this face-to-face -face with 45. Mr. President, first of all, thank you so much for granting us this interview. Thank really you very appreciate much. It. Yeah. Let's start with Afghanistan and discuss what's happening today. We have heard that the humanitarian operations at the Kabul airport have pretty much ceased. Um, your assessment overall of this debacle that has become the Afghan crisis under the Joe Biden presidency? Well, they ceased because the United States has totally lost control. People are bombing them. They're sending rockets into them. They're killing a lot of people. 200 people two days ago, of which we had 13 Marines at least, because you have a lot of very badly wounded Marines and Navy right now. Uh, this is the greatest humiliation in the history of our country, in my opinion. This is a psychological humiliation and a military humiliation. And when Biden said he's taking out the military before he takes out the people or the equipment, I said, that can't be possible. I figured the press got it wrong because they get so much wrong. And they didn't get it wrong. He took out the military, lost total control. We had total control. In fact, in his speech, 
I'm sure they were thrilled when he said it, but he made a mistake probably. But it was true. Not one soldier was killed for 18 months under me because they understood that if they killed any of the American soldiers, any American, period, anybody gets killed, we go after them like I did many times. And I dealt with Abdul, who is now the leader. Officially, he was a leader then, too. So at least I was dealing with the right guy. And I told him, you will be met as hard or harder than any country has ever been met with force before. And I said, do you understand that? And he did understand that. And I said, and it will start with your house. That's where it's starting. And that's, it was fine. Nothing was happening. When I look at your red charts where so much was gathered and so much was taken in a short period of time, under my auspices, it was not at all taken. Now, I wanted to get out for years because we should have never been there. We could have hit them hard, should have never been there. But we were there. It was the biggest mistake, I say, in the history of our country. Trillions and trillions of dollars spent, probably at least $2 trillion spent. No, we've never spent money like that. The longest war we've ever had. We didn't fight it like a war. We had a lot of woke generals, but we have great generals, too. We have great generals because I defeated ISIS very quickly with great generals. I could tell you who they are, but but it's a shame. Biggest humiliation in our country's history. That's what I want to know. What about the conditions you set? Because you had an agreement, you and I chatted before, with Abdul. And that agreement, when you laid out those terms you just talked about, where you told him, you mess up, you miss one benchmark of these conditions, you're done. Why didn't the Biden administration follow exactly the conditions you had set up and hold their feet to the fire with this? Because they're weak and they're stupid. It's very simple. I bombed them a lot during this agreement because they didn't meet a certain condition. Our biggest condition was that you never, ever touch any of our soldiers or any of our military, any civilians, number one. Number two, you never, ever even think about coming to our homeland. Those were the two biggest conditions. And they were verbal as well as otherwise. But he understood that. You never saw problems with when I was president with them. There was no problem. They weren't taking over the country. They were very good. I said, we want to get out. I'm, I want to leave. I, I've been saying that for a long time. We have, we're in there for 21 years. We're fighting it like police, not military. We were like police people. We we're guarding traffic. Oh, come on over here. Come on over here. What are we doing? Two trillion dollars. Millions of people count both sides because I count both sides. People say, oh, that's not very conservative. Well, I think it is. Millions and millions of people killed in the Middle East. Millions of people killed. And you know what it is now? A bombed out disaster. Okay. Single worst decision made going into the Middle East in the history of our country. The single greatest humiliation we've ever had was the withdrawal from Afghanistan. We could have had a beautiful withdrawal. We could have gone out with victory. We would have taken all the civilians out, all the Americans out, take other people if we determined that they're worthy. We we took out so many people so quickly. A lot of those people that we took out are terrorists. They were hopping on those planes because they're very smart, they're very sharp, and they know how to get onto a plane a lot better than a regular person that needs protection. So we have terrorists now being delivered all over the world from Afghanistan. And you will see things happening over the years to come that is disgraceful. So we have this plan, strong conditions. They didn't meet a couple of them. We hit them very hard. There was no way, Dan, that they were ever in a million years 
going to do anything to us. So we were getting our civilians out. We were going, we could take our time. If it took us two years or one year, there was no date that mattered. I said a May 1st date, but there was no date. One of the reasons I wanted to have it longer because they weren't meeting all of the conditions. We hit them very hard. So we're going to take them out, take all of our $83 billion worth of equipment that now I'm sure as we sit, uh, Russia, China is now taking it apart so they can make exactly the same stuff as we But did. was this incompetence or was this done on purpose? We have a lot of folks, yeah, you know, the, I don't think the network and they say, well, they look at the globalist uh, and the way both parties have tried to, you know, and the military complex get into wars, yeah. if you will. And they're like, did Biden and his administration or the military complex do this on purpose or are they that incompetent? You uh, believe the latter. I don't even think about it. I think it was gross incompetence. Uh, okay. They may be trying to spin it the other way because it makes them sound better. You want to know the truth. I think it makes them sound better. What could be worse? They had no idea what they were doing. They took the military out first. I mean, it doesn't help them to do that. Must will get the Americans out. Must will get the equipment back. We gave them 83. Somebody said they're the 16th best. I think they're the best equipped man-for-man army in the world. Okay, man-for-man. Everyone gets 22 rifles. Yeah. They now have the equipment of the top 20 nations they around the world. They have better equipment They're than us 20. because it's more modern. Yeah. They have more modern equipment than we do. And by the way, we should get it out. One of the things we should do right now, and I was the biggest one for getting out, we should either demand it back and demand it or go get it or at a minimum blow the hell out of it. Right. Isn't that typically what we've done? When we've pulled out of foreign nations, you destroy. If you can't take the equipment, you destroy it. So that well, it doesn't fall into enemy hands. I like the idea of taking it better because it's so valuable. We paid it's for so it. so advanced. We paid <laughs> for it. You know, I, I remember when uh, General Milley, I said, we're taking all the equipment, every nail, every screw, every bolt. He looked at me and he goes, sir, it'll be cheaper to leave it. I said, maybe in your mind, but not in my mind. It is not cheaper to leave it. When you have millions of dollars in army tanks, it's cheaper to leave it. Why? That's cheaper than putting it on a plane and taking it out. It's not. These people are misguided. They don't know what the hell. We have woke generals and we also have great generals. But the woke generals are the ones you see on television. Do you think that our military was preoccupied over the last seven months of this administration with all the wokeness? We saw the videos come from the CIA, from the Navy, from the Army. We saw Millie up there talking about that white nationalists and white rage is one of the biggest threats in the military, and we have to address it right now. By the way, he never talked that way when I was there. He was there, you know, had a lot of generals. They've been there for years. Millie never talked that way when I was there. Never once did I. I never heard him talk that way. How about the letters they send to the people in the Army, to the people in the Navy, talking about equality? I said, so let me ask you a question with equality. Strong letters in equality, and if you don't get equality, you report everybody. I said, so if a general, like General Patton, if a general walks up to a private and starts chewing them out like you've been watching for 200 years, right? Well, is that general in jeopardy? Like all of the modern day stuff that we're talking about? Well, he should talk to him with respect, sir. I said, okay, this is about... It's not how you create soldiers, sir. It's crazy. You know, I, I at my last rally in Alabama, we had 68,000 people in the rain. It was raining. It was thunder. We're saying, please don't come. We had to turn away 40,000 people at least. So we had 68,000 people. And I said, you know what? With all of this woke stuff that's happening, and you know, I canceled everything. It was happening from before me. 
and I canceled all of it. We got rid of people that were being paid $500,000 a year to, to teach cancel culture. To teach cancel culture. So I want us to look at the other interviews. But before we do that, I wanted to kind of, uh, I think today I am going to kind of define what a definition is. And I want to come in, you know, come on in today in the buff. I mean, the veil is threadbare, so I'm going to poke some holes. My spirit is extremely time-worn, and um, this is kind of like the same movie, upgraded, new, same actors with upgrades, same storyline, more high-end graphics. I believe that many of you feel the same way about how things have come to be recently. I believe that it's important uh, for many people to take a step back. In life, we must always reflect. And this is why I constantly take, you know, push forward the notion that history is what gives us these moral guidelines. History can give us better insight to understanding how power has been misused in the past and gives us the ability to recognize those that have done nothing. You realize by looking into history and your past, what behaviors you wish not to repeat or emulate. Because in the end, when you come to the end of your life, I can tell you that almost 90% of you will feel that you have no sense of achievement. Yesterday for me was a bad day. And I'll explain to you how and what I mean by emulating and by feeling this achievement. Yesterday I had a bad day. You know, it started from the morning where, you know, I was taking my beloved companion that came all the way from Afghanistan with me to, you know, the pet hospital because he was urinating blood. And it was really hard for me, really hard for me. But as I was there, having caught it early and having a smart kitty, I mean, he's been with me for a very long time, so he knows how to get my attention. He literally bled at my front door. And my first thought was, what kind of voodoo crap is this? I kid you not. Um, but while they took him and I waited in my square wearing as many masks as they wanted me. And I'm not telling you this to be like, oh, you're so good. I'm trying to explain to you and express to you the same satisfaction that I'm sure you can feel from this. So we all know that taking pets to the vet is very expensive. And like I said, my, I'm, I'm surprised my bank hasn't stopped me from creating like a million savings accounts because that's what I do. 
have like budget for this, budget for that, dollar here, 50 cents there, could you not? So this was the emergency pet budget, right? And it had grown to a whopping $502. I um, approach the table, well, I approach the desk and they tell me, hey, we want, you know, it was like $400 and then they added some more later that came out of my regular checkings account because I had, I had saved it. So I paid it and left over. I had about a hundred and something dollars left over in my savings from my first payment. I think it was like 398 or 378. I don't remember. But as I was there, um, there's a lady that walks in. She is frantic. She is crying. They're telling her to put on a mask. She is bawling. She can't breathe. And there were people in the lobby. And everyone looked the other way. And she was, you know, that sobbing where you're just like, this person is in pain. I didn't know this person. She could have smacked me upside the head. I literally came up from behind her and just hugged her. And she grabbed onto me and sobbed. Everyone in that room, nobody looked, nobody cared. They were all just ignoring everything. And the ladies behind the desk were trying to explain to her that, you know, okay, we'll take it. It's whatever. And, you know, she was still crying and I was trying to understand what was going on because all I could see is this person heaving in tears. Like, you know, she was short of coming down on her knees and screaming. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know how to respond except for, Hey, I'm here. Cry with me. And the lady behind the desk kept telling her to remit payment. And I said, whatever it is, I'll pay for it. Stop badgering her about the money and help her. And she looked at me. She's like, oh, that's so kind of you. Suddenly her face changed. I was like, where's, where's the kindness? I get it. You need that? Where's the consoling your fellow human being? This lady over the weekend had her dead puppy with her didn't know what to do with it. She didn't want to throw it in the garbage. She didn't know where to go. And she was standing there, you know, with a dead dog that she's had for two days waiting to go in the morning to figure out what to do. And as she's like freaking out and she doesn't know what to do, they're just talking, you know, put your mask on. You need to pay us. And then I said, you know, when I saw her repeat it for the third time, because obviously the woman is not with it. I was like, whatever it is, I'll pay it. And I was like, you know, I didn't even think about it at the time. Cause what if her bill was like a thousand dollars? It's like, whoop, there goes the rent. But the point is there was no compassion, right? It was $150. They needed to cremate her dog. She didn't know what to do. Right. And that's it. And she was a person that didn't seem to have much. She was, she was so distraught. I mean, I can't even, you know, imagine what she was got. Like the pain was so huge that I was like, oh my God, here I am complaining that, you know, Biscuit is sick again, um, you know, with his urinary issues, right? which by the way, the way to solve it is by getting him a vagina. And I'm like, no, um, he's not going to be a transgender cat. So anyway, um, I, at that moment felt 
completed for the day. And it was very important to me because I'm not going to share it on air, but I got really, really bad personal news hours later, right? Personal to myself news hours later that I'm happy that I felt that completion in the morning because I don't think I'd be okay. In other words, the currency of our spirit is always to serve each other. And I want you to understand how this works. As someone who has self-proclaimed that I command time, that has um, seen this, this movie before and with upgrades now, same, same souls, different time. Yeah, I'm totally in the buff today. I realized that definitions are very important and time. And what is time? And what is a definition? Like if you were to find the word definition, it means a, a, a statement or something that describes the fundamental character or meaning or scope of something, right? Words have, have gotten lost over time. They change definitions. What is aggression? What is love? What is hate? Um, what is fair? What is good? What is the right thing to do? There's a term in Greek that I remember. <laughs> Actually, it was my uncle who at the time wasn't a metropolitan. He was simply a priest when he was younger. He told me, it, you know, when I was young, like I, 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 maybe I was like seven, six to eight, let's say. He said, oh, and I'm going to say it in Greek, which means you have the Greek spirit in you. But the word uses demonio, which is the word for demon. And over time, from ancient times, that definition has changed. Um. Demonio means spirit, but it's now have been associated only with evil spirits. Your spirit in general is you, your gut, right? What it says, is it fiery? Is it servitude? They take these definitions and they change them so we don't understand what history is. It's important to understand history. Because the worst thing I can imagine one person coming to their end, you know, not everybody knows when they go. Not everybody knows when their time's up. But it's to be in that last moment in that last, last breath and to have absolutely no sense of achievement. For me, that morning where I spent it with the lady and overspent, that's fine. But I felt like I had achieved something. I achieved my goal as serving her in her time of need. And I think that is important for all of us to understand. Many people talk about having regrets, looking back into their past, what they regret doing, or I regret not doing this, or I regret doing that. 
they regret. At many times I've come to think, well, if I didn't do this, then, or if I wasn't so dumb or so, you know, boasted by these idiots, I wouldn't have done this, or I wouldn't have done that, or I wouldn't have married this person, or I would have seen that, or I would have done that, right? Everyone does that. But what we have to understand is that choices are what make us who we are. And pain is something that provides us the answers to the actions that we do. This is how we learn. Time. Time in the past. Time. Look at time in the past. Look at what it is. Every single moment you go through in your life, it's simply to gain time. Every day you work, you work so you can make time. Time. We're not talking about time you spend on the toilet, taking a shower, cooking to feed yourself. Time to you. It is during that time that you have to yourself, which is, might I add, very, very expensive, right? Might I ask, very expensive, that you make decisions and you reflect. This is where you do your most important thinking when you're on your own time. There's a lot of people that work 60 to 120 hours a week. And let's pretend that they work and they, let's pretend we have someone that works 20 hours a week and they get paid 50 bucks an hour. So we could do the math easy, right? So there you go. You work, you know, 20 hours a week. You're making all this money, right? To do what? To then give yourself time to do what you want. I, I have that challenge. Uh, I have that challenge because I feel that my time is limited to complete what I want to complete, what I feel needs to be completed. And I think a lot of people feel that, I hope, because to realize our potential it's really important, but it's not only that. You and I all share one thing. We judge. Now, a lot of people, oh no, I don't. Yes, you do. And the thing is, I have walked in a lot of people's shoes. And it is through life, or they call it Hard Knocks University, or you know, doing random jobs here and there that you understand other people. I mean, the best attitude someone should have is that every single person out there right now, every single person, even the Karens, okay, even the ones that, you know, want you to wear a hundred masks, the ones that believe that they should just be slaves voluntarily because that gives them peace. They are doing the best they can for their capabilities, right? Their capabilities. I want to be like, so you're calling them all retarded? I'm just saying they have a certain capacity and capability as a being, as a spiritual entity, their ego, there as a person. And that is what they believe is best. This is why the road to hell is paved 
with good intentions, right? No one ever does something, and I've said this before, to do things to cause harm. They think that they're doing good. Now, your job in life, as we know, as we believe, and we understand at our core, regardless of whatever faith we are, is that serving another is the most satisfactory and pleasurable thing one can do. Um, and I believe that in, in a way, in order to be able to serve others is to be able to understand or figure out how you can make them better, how you can maximize their potential, no matter how simple, how stubborn, how non-evolved they are, how you can make them better. Um, it's, it's really important for us to reflect on history to understand how to tap into that because time is money. It is very expensive. You work hours and hours in order to buy yourself time and think about it. When you're not working, what is it that you want to do? You want to sit and do nothing, maybe travel, go on vacation, have someone serve you, maybe go get a pedicure. Gosh, I'm dying to go get one of those actually, right? What are, what is it? You're working all your life to make time. And as someone that can command time, I can tell you that there's never going to be enough until you realize what gives you time. So yesterday in the morning, having started very badly overnight, struggling, my kitty, I'm upset, right? I'm sad. I would have never thought that I would hear what I heard later on that day. And if that news, and it was totally unexpected, it wasn't something that I was expecting at all. Like that was like, what? Um, I believe that in the morning, because I was just me and I was using my time, my time, which I could not do anything. I did not want to look at my phone. I wanted to sit there. I, I, my daughter came with me. I had taken her to school. I drove back. He was still in the back. And at that time, I had my own time. And in my time, I like to serve others. And that service fulfilled my capacitors to be able to bear what I was to hear hours later. So it's very important to, to, to make use of our time. Okay, because you cannot get that back. The second that just left is gone. You cannot reclaim that. You cannot reclaim my time. It's not the Senate Intel Committee or the House Intelligence Committee where you can reclaim time. It is important for us to realize this. We need time to do things we want, but we know that we must work to be able to buy that time. Because by working, you make money, and therefore you are afforded the time to do things. So the question you should ask yourself every day, if you can, as we enter into the end of summer and the beginning of fall is, was, am I satisfied with my time? That, that is the most important thing people should understand, is how satisfied are you? 
about your time. Now I say, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. That was my microphone disconnected. I say this because I am personally time-worn myself. And I think everyone needs to understand that time is in the eye of the beholder too. And what you should be focusing on is how satisfied are you with your time? The time that you have to yourself that's not devoted for others. Because I constantly complain. I'm either a cab driver for my daughter, right? I'm either a cook for my child or my children. You know, I have a kid in college. I work for them, right? I work for my children. So all of us do that. We work for the people that we love. Every single one of them. And then we have to work for us. So we need to see how we can use that time to fulfill our satisfaction as beings here. It's quite simple. When you conduct acts of servitude to someone else, because you want to, not because you think you're going to be rewarded, right? Because if you do shit because you're rewarded, you lose. You get nothing, right? You need to do things because you want to. Because you believe you'll make their day easier. Because anything. It should be down to you. If you spend your time actually doing the things that you know in your heart are the right thing to do, then everything falls into place. Now, I'm victim. I'm victim of falling into those pockets. I'm constantly complaining about not having enough time. I say it all the time, at least three, four times a day. Some will be like, how's it going? I need more clones. I need more clones. That's how I respond. I need more clones because I don't have enough time. But again, what is time? How do we define it? And how do we work to ensure that the time that we use is correct? How do we get transformed into a society that we are all happy with? How do we achieve the happiness that we want as a society? Is it by doing to unto others as you wish others to do unto you? How many times has that been repeated? And people do things. I've seen people where they do acts of kindness, right? I've seen it in church. But they're all doing it, hey, watch me do this, look. Or I'm doing it because this is what I have to do in order to be better. But because they're doing because they think that they have to do it, it's not, it's not as, there's no efficacy to your action. It doesn't fulfill you. I want you to understand how time is important. And this is why timing is always important. There were times throughout <laughs> the past few years where I'm just like, well, what the heck? Like this should have happened already. This should have been, I'm pretty sure I remember it like this. Wait, when this happened back then, the timing was then what is going on? But timing 
is everything. History can only give you a portion of what you need to understand what is to come. The rest is divine intervention. And in history, as you know, through stories, divine intervention doesn't happen when you trip and fall and scuff your knee. Divine intervention doesn't happen when, you know, a tree falls down and it blow, it's blowing really hard. Divine intervention happens when you're ready to exhale your last breath. When, you know, a big Godzilla foot's ready to come on top of you. When you are out on the street on your knees and people want to shoot you. That's divine intervention. Divine intervention comes when it's the right time. And even though many of you right now feel captured in like a loop of doing things, constantly working to give yourself time because leisure is a privilege. What you need to ask yourself is what do you consider leisure? Is it going out and drinking beer? Is it, uh, you know, watching the next football game? Is it knitting? Is it scrapbooking? Those are all distractions. What really satisfies you? And if everyone actually sat and had that reflection, none of what you see would be going on right now. Because what you're seeing is complete deception. So before I continue, I want to remind you of how deep deception is and how incredible it used to be. Therefore, imagine what it is now. Okay? That's key. Tell me where is is going on? Did this just disappear? No. There it is. Here we go. We always talk about disguise as though it's an onion. Whether you're building it or whether you're peeling it off. It's almost transparent layers. And when you get enough of them going, you disappear and this other person is in the room. My name is Jonna Mendez and I was Chief of Disguise at the CIA. In my role as Chief of Disguise, my major concern was always protecting people, protecting our case officers who were going into situations that might be dangerous, but importantly, protecting the foreign people that we were meeting with, who were very often risking their lives. If you were working in Europe and you were meeting with a clandestine source at a cafe, your biggest concern might be that your next door neighbor was gonna wander into that cafe at that moment and say, hi, Bill, when you weren't Bill. And that kind of casual stumbling upon um, people was an issue. And so you'd wear what we called light disguise. Light disguise can be something as simple as a wig, maybe some facial hair, maybe some glasses, not a big deal. The other extreme is advanced disguise that you would use for up close and personal for an extended period of time where the person you were talking to would have no idea that you were not in true face. One of the things that was going on when I was chief of disguise was an enormous uh, research program into the new advanced disguise system. It was basically the masks that everybody always wondered if we used masks, and this was the beginning. This is a series of photographs of when I met George H.W. Bush in the Oval Office. 
and revealed to him that I was briefing him wearing a mask. When you go to disguise a person, the general idea is that you're going to meet with someone in this disguise and they're going to write a memo of the person that they just met with. We want every item in that memo that describes you to be wrong. If we're looking at a man and we want to change the way he looks, start at the top and the first thing that comes up is hair. What's he got and what do you want to do with it? If he has curly hair, you want to go straight. If he has dark hair, you might want to go light. If he's young, you might want to throw in some gray. If he's old, you might want to cover up the gray. Do you present with facial hair? If you don't, maybe we're going to give you some. If you're going to be somewhere for a while, maybe we're going to have you grow some. We have made prostheses on occasion. You could actually change cheekbones. You can add something here. You can add a forehead. You can do a nose. We could do what we call dental facades. We can change actually the shape of your face with the right dental facade. This piece is called a plumper because it increases the plumpness of your gums. And when it does that, it changes the profile of your face. The last thing is artificial palettes. We take an impression of the top of your mouth. They can change your enunciation. They can cause a slight lisp. It's a little bit different with everybody who wears one, but if it's enough, it's very useful. We very often discover that older looking men are considered less threatening than younger looking men. So we like to age a person. With women, you have a broader range of what you can do. You also have one extra step, and you could turn a woman into a man. I would mention that it's almost impossible to turn a man into a woman. What we do is always additive. We can make you taller, we can make you heavier, we can make you older. We can't go the other direction. You want to be the person that gets on the elevator and then gets off, and nobody really remembers that you were even there. That is a design goal at the Disguise Labs at CIA. Disguise isn't just all about the facial oval. It's about how you dress, how you present yourself in a, in a public environment. Americans are, are oblivious to what it is that reveals them to a foreign crowd or a foreign intelligence service when they're, when they're out in public. In terms of behaviors, there are a lot of small actions that give us away the way we eat. Europeans use the fork in their left hand and it doesn't travel back and forth to the right hand. Whereas we're constantly putting down our knife and moving utensils back and forth. The way we smoke, we put it between our first two fingers. They tend to hold a cigarette between the thumb and the first finger. When an American stands, they tend to support themselves on one foot or the other. In Europe, they stand straight up. They don't lean on anything. Their weight's equally on their feet. Changing the way that you walk requires some amendment to what you're doing. You're going to need a physical apparatus to make you walk differently. You can't possibly say, okay, now I'm going to limp. To change my walk, I put a little piece of gravel in my shoe, just a little thing that pinches my toe, and it changes my walk whether I want to or not. You can put up a bandage around a knee, something that restricts you will change your walk. Disguise can be applicable to you in your everyday life in terms of traveling around the world and, and staying safe. I would use Paris as an example. Anytime you approach Notre Dame Cathedral or those bridges that cross the Seine, those are places where there are groups of people that either want to pick your pocket or they're, they're going to make some kind of trouble and they cluster at these choke points. And if they can tell from your sneakers, if they can tell from your baseball hat, or, or a lot of other behaviors that we exhibit, that you are an American, you become a target if you just want to play it safe. There's nothing wrong with stopping in a local store and buying some local clothes. If you smoke, 
you can smoke a cigarettes. You can always add a pair of glasses. You can always add some kind of hat. Just back yourself off from that that American imprint that we all carry with us in so many ways. You know, all these things that we do are unconscious and they are hard to change. If you have some friends who are thoughtful, you could probably sit down with a friend and say, "What is it about me that is just a dead giveaway?" And they're going to tell you things like, "Oh, it's your laugh." Or it's the way you sit. Had you always slouched down in the chair? They can help you find those pieces of your visual personality that are easy to get rid of once you know they're there. People have expectations of what you're going to present to them when you're being you. We try and、um, brush those away. Quick change is the ability to clandestinely change your appearance. Typically, when you're out on the street, you're using the crowd as a mask. When we're doing this, we measure it in the number of steps, and then we rehearse whoever's going to do it. You're going to go in the gap. You have 37 seconds to come out with those changes. The goal of the quick change is to disappear. If you had surveillance and they discovered that you were gone, you didn't want them to think that you had escaped. You wanted them to think that they had lost you.、It、was their fault. Blending in is situational.、It、depends on where you are. You need to understand. What the commonality is there? What this tribe is that you want to join? And once you join that tribe, you can typically move around freely because there's no suspicion. You can't summon up a disguise in the middle of a an event, but going to the event, you can say to yourself, "I think I'll leave my baseball cap and my sneakers, and I'm going to leave all that in my room." And you can realize that being out on the street as an American is sometimes Dangerous. One of our officers, probably working out of the American embassy, would have surveillance 24 hours a day. They'd have teams of people following them, but they had work to do. They had to communicate with people clandestinely, and the extremes that we would go to to disguise those people was the most interesting and the most challenging part of the job. So again, I recycle disguise, disguise, deception. Everything in our life right now is in disguise. It's people joining a tribe, some to not create suspicion. It's quite important that you understand that. Coupled with the fact of how you wish to use your time, your ten minutes, I hear people saying, "I don't have time." You can slow time down. You can make time. That is the key here. We have the potential always to make a decision, right? Because we have free will, and. Every decision we make, either that be good, bad, wise, or unwise, demonstrates the growth that you will have in the path that you wish. The hardest question for anyone to answer, like really answer, I mean, what makes you happy? You know, snowflakes and fluffy kittens, or the birth of my first child. Usually, most of the responses you provide are cliche. If you sit, think. 
you'll be surprised if you allow yourself to listen to the truth, what does give you satisfaction. I'm sure you're satisfied when you know that some person that doesn't know you and you don't know them have been affected only because you turned left when you exited the elevator. You don't know that because you don't see how you've affected that person on the other side of the planet from turning left. But I can assure you it happens. We all affect each other. Right now, everything is confusing. Common sense does not exist. Things, you look at people today and you're thinking, you take a deep breath, I find myself all the time, and you're just like, dude, you're supposed to be smart. You have a job, you're educated, you're getting paid $125,000 a year to sit there and do whatever it is you're doing, but you don't have the common sense to understand that the mask is not saving you. It doesn't help you. Common sense is out the window. We've been taught as kids, if everyone jumps off the Brooklyn Bridge, are you going to do it? Yet here we are with people jumping off cliffs and bridges into experimental science that has never been done before and is altering their genetic code that they can't define or fix. I've had this conversation with you before with ears of that time where you can hear it. So now I'm going to have it with you again in a synopsis. When I went back to school to learn and to infiltrate, I made sure I stood in the rooms and in the labs of scientists that are geniuses. One person, human cloning. Another person, playing God with bacteria. We talked about this before. I've talked to you about Craig Ventner many, many times. What is the takeaway? The takeaway was that this genius realized the only way that he can manipulate genetic code, which would be the simplest way, is to take one of the most simplest organisms on the planet. And he did. Mycobacterium genitalium. In fact, theme of my day yesterday, the bacterium that causes urinary tract infections. And as I've told you, what his research, not agrobacteria tumefaciens, that has to do with plants and cancerous responses. It's myco, myco, it's a mycobacterium, meaning it has no cell wall. It's like a booger, genitalium. So what he decided to do, and so many massive oil companies and energy companies invested him to do, is to take that bacterium, change its genetic code to no longer call, cause urinary tract infections, but instead to generate ethanol to make fuel. 
And so what he did was he took the simplest genetic code. It's a circular DNA. That's what bacteria have. It's super small. You can fit it on a nice big paper, right, and see all the genes. And what he did in his laboratory was change its genetic code so when it multiplies that it turns blue and he successfully inserted that gene. But what he did was he knocked out every single gene in that genetic code that was identified as responsible for virulence, meaning <clears throat> whatever gene that bacterium has that would cause it to be virulent, meaning to infect you, to cause infection, to do what it does, he knocked it out, right? He literally snipped it out. He got rid of it. To the basic portions of the bacteria simply exists. It metabolizes. It can do nothing else. He did that, but only in the lab. The minute that bacterium was put out in nature, he observed something that he did not expect. And that's genetic crosstalk. For some reason, even though the genes that were responsible for making it virulent and doing the things it does, they suddenly, the quality still manifested even though the genes were taken out which means that every single gene in your body has portions of code of all the other genes, what they like to call junk DNA. So I want you to understand the gravity of the statement that I'm making based on that. You have people that have created a protein and they have inserted that protein into your body to hijack your body's machinery to make new things things that are foreign in your body, things that do not belong in your body, hoping that they silence or amplify certain genes. Why did they not take heed that the most simplest genetic organism could not do that? Why would they not take heed when they understand that they know absolutely nothing of what they call junk DNA? Just because your body, when it rolls out those proteins to read, cleaves DNA and disposes of it, it still regenerates the code that it cuts off for your exons and introns. I want you to think carefully. What they're doing is trying to change exactly what you are. They've done it through food. They've been doing it through water, through chemicals, and through psychological operations Ooh, for about as long as I can remember. From the first civilization, psychological operations were the tool to manipulate the actions of whatever's harbored in your genetic code. Are you genetically predisposed to be evil? Are you genetically predisposed to be a hunter, a ballerina, a good person, a bad person? A murderer, a rapist, a child rapist, an idiot, smart. They use psychological operations by control because control is key. You cannot control a human that has innate free will and choice 
for more than two generations. That's been proven in history. At this point, people for the past almost 300 years have voluntarily forfeited their liberties in exchange for an illusion or safety in disguise. No, danger disguised as safety. And this veil, this veil is threadbare now. And we're poking holes. You can see it. Why would this happen in Afghanistan now, out of all times? How did the same hurricane named with the same name from 2009 have the same path and then die out just like the previous one, only a little bit later, happen? Why are they provoking you? Why are they insisting wear your mask, even though they all know it doesn't work? Why are they coercing you to take the vaccine? Because they prolonged it. They thought that they could avoid what was coming and they could not. They thought with nice ways that it would be done. They thought by convincing you, by convincing you that your time, your time is better spent focusing on other things than your environment, which is your community, your home, your freedom, your personal domain was time not spent well. Parents do this. This is a very good example. How many parents have kids that are in school and then put them into like a million things to do after school? A million things. Keep your life busy. You got time. You're going to do this, 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 this. But what kids want to do is figure themselves out. Right? They want to do what they want to do. Some of them love to do football. Go. Go at it. Basketball, tennis, volleyball, whatever. Constantly keeping them engaged in learning. So when they become adults, they enter the workforce. They're working to have that time off. And at that point, all they want to do is nothing. Time. A lot of people are worried about time, time. Oh, this may expire, this order, this law, this time may expire. Timing is everything. Miracles don't happen in the middle of the game at halftime. They happen during the penalties, right? For soccer, where it's like death match. First goal wins. The Maricopa audit. That should have been out. But for some reason, it's been delayed. And now we understand it's about control. What happens is you're going to examine computer ABC for XYZ. But as you're looking at XYZ, you see crime R, S, crime H, crime E. And you're like, dang, that's a crime. You put it in your report. So now all the senators have this report. And a lot of them are looking at it and they're like, well, that wasn't part of the scope. And it's like, yeah, I know it wasn't, but that's a crime. And 
that's a really big deal. Yeah, we want to exclude that from it. Who are you covering up for? Why are you dragging your feet on time? Because time has a funny way of working. You can speed it up. You can slow it down. But as it passes, a problem becomes bigger and pain becomes less for those that are to endure it. <laughs> kind of like I know what's coming and rather than me fall and knock my teeth out, I'm going to throw pillows because I can slow time down and do that. Time. Time. Deception. Disguise. Everything is a clusterfuck completely. And even tonight at 9.15, I'm going to have a very candid talk about January 6th. I'm going to dispel everything that is out there and call it like it is. Just so you can see how time is not on the side of those seeking to control. And how their actions, behaviors, and statements are indicating this. A lot of people are like, you're a time traveler. I totally am. I mean, okay, coincidences for all these years? Sure. Let's take that mathematical improbability. Everyone has a purpose. Every single one of you. A lot of you might be sitting there saying, well, you know, I have two grown kids. I don't really talk to them. They got the vaccine. I'm a widow or I'm divorced or whatever, right? And the men, yeah, you know, I got my old lady. We don't really talk or we do, or I don't have one. I have kids estranged with me. Everybody's in a different situation, different shoes. You're all in different shoes, but you're standing on the same land and in the same predicament. Think about it. Stand on the moon and look down. Everybody's shoes are on the same damn fucking problem. Lots of perspectives there to bring some focus. So as you sit there and I urge you to sit there, you know, right before you nap off and say, all right, what really makes me happy? Like, I guarantee you, none of you will be able to really answer that question. You could say you can, but you won't. Because you don't even know what happy means. What does the word happy mean? See, definitions are very important. Happy. Happy. Are you happy if you can walk into, you know, Louis Vuitton and buy whatever the hell you want? This is to my ladies. I mean, that is kind of cool, but is that it? Are you happy when you're having sex? Are you happy when you're kissing someone? Are you happy when you're having a lovely dinner? Are you happy when you're swimming in the ocean, in the sea, in the lake? Are you happy fishing? Are you happy with a cold Budweiser in your hand? Are you happy when your kid, you know, comes to you and tells you how much they love you? Are you happy? See, those are all things happy that are centric to you. But does that really make you happy? You have to ask yourself that question. Because I, I get a lot of flack from people that, that know me. You're such a pushover. It's not being a pushover. You can't be that type of person. You know, you snap and you cuss. And no. What you realize is what really happy, what happiness really means when you reflect like that. Because when you take yourself out of the equation, 
and you ask yourself what makes you happy, then you realize what's really wrong with society. And that's our definitions and to understand things. You know, faith in God in a higher purpose gives everyone motivation to do good. Everyone. I, of all people, am one of the worst when it comes to humankind, right? I'm supposed to, like, just, if it, if you were tasked to be a prosecutor for humankind, wouldn't you also be their best defense attorney? That's what sucks. The kind gestures, I'm sure you've seen those videos where it's like random acts of kindness, random stuff. Right. The really random stuff, not the setup stuff where the guy's on a video and he gives a homeless guy a hundred bucks or gives him a haircut. That's not random acts of kindness. That's look at me. I'm doing something nice. The random acts like you would have never known I did that for the lady at the, you know, veterinarian. You wouldn't know. I mean, the people around there probably knew. And I wasn't even that loud. And paying for stuff isn't the big issue. It was the hug. That is happiness. That unconditional love for another spirit is happiness. And I want you to reflect on that. Because once you reflect on it, you'll be able to see things a lot more clearly than you do now. There was so much misinformation, so much hate, so much division, and so many things that are orchestrated in just, it's just way too precise. J.F. Kennedy's speech, the peace speech, from here on, kind of touches upon what we need to understand right now, today, being the 31st of August. And history teaches us that enmities between nations, as between individuals, do not last forever. However fixed our likes and dislikes may seem, the tide of time and events will often bring surprising changes in the relations between nations and neighbors. So let us persevere. Peace need not be impractical and war need not be inevitable. By defining our goal more clearly, by making it seem more manageable and less remote, we can help all people to see it, to draw hope from it and to move irresistibly towards it. And second, let us re-examine re our attitude towards the Soviet Union. It is discouraging to think that their leaders may actually believe what their propagandists write. It is discouraging to read a recent authoritative Soviet text on military strategy and find on page after page wholly baseless and incredible claims such as the allegation that American imperialist circles are preparing to unleash different types of war that there is a very real threat of a preventative war being unleashed by American imperialists against the Soviet Union, and that the political aims, and I quote, of the American imperialists are to enslave economically and politically the European and other capitalist countries and to achieve world domination by means of aggressive war, unquote. Truly, as it was written long ago, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. Yet it is sad to read these Soviet statements, to realize the extent of the gulf between us. But it is also a warning 
a warning to the American people not to fall into the same trap as the Soviets, not to see only a distorted and desperate view of the other side, not to see conflict as inevitable, accommodation as impossible, and communication as nothing more than an exchange of threats. No government or social system is so evil that its people must be considered as lacking in virtue. As Americans, we find communism profoundly repugnant as a negation of personal freedom and dignity. But we can still hail the Russian people for their many achievements in science and space, in economic and industrial growth, in culture, in acts of courage. Among the many traits the peoples of our two countries have in common, none is stronger than our mutual abhorrence of war. Almost unique among the major world powers, we have never been at war with each other. And no nation in the history of battle ever suffered more than the Soviet Union in the Second World War. At least 20 million lost their lives. Countless millions of homes and families were burned or sacked. A third of the nation's territory, including two-thirds of its industrial base, was turned into a wasteland, a loss equivalent to the destruction of this country east of Chicago. Today, should total war ever break out again, no matter how, our two countries will be the primary target. It is an ironic but accurate fact that the two strongest powers are the two in the most danger of devastation. All we have built, all we have worked for, would be destroyed in the first 24 hours. And even in the Cold War, which brings burdens and dangers to so many countries, including this nation's closest allies, our two countries bear the heaviest burdens. For we are both devoting massive sums of money to weapons that could be better devoted to combat ignorance, poverty, and disease. We are both caught up in a vicious and dangerous cycle with suspicion on one side breeding suspicion on the other and new weapons begetting counterweapons. In short, both the United States and its allies and the Soviet Union and its allies have a mutually deep interest in a just and genuine peace and in holding the arms race. Agreements to this end are in the interests of the Soviet Union as well as ours. And even the most hostile nations can be relied upon to accept and keep those treaty obligations and only those treaty obligations which are in their own interest. So let us not be blind to our differences. Let us also direct attention to our common interests and the means by which those differences can be resolved. And if we cannot end now our differences, at least we can help make the world safe for diversity. All right, so that was important because it dovetails this important speech. Hold on. Listen to it again while we grab coffee. Look back and ask themselves whether they've made the right choice whether they've made the most of the opportunities they've been given. Together, we have the same mission. Over the course of your life, 
You will find that things are not always fair. You will find that things happen to you that you do not deserve and that are not always warranted. But you have to put your head down and fight, fight, fight. Never, ever, ever give up. Don't give in, don't back down, and never stop doing what you know is right. Nothing worth doing ever, ever, ever came easy. And the more righteous your fight, the more opposition that you will face. In your hearts are inscribed the values of service, sacrifice, and devotion. Now you must go forth into the world and turn your hopes and dreams into action. America has always been the land of dreams because America is a nation of true believers. When the pilgrims landed at Plymouth, they prayed. When the founders wrote the Declaration of Independence, they invoked our Creator four times. Because in America, we don't worship government, we worship God. It is why our currency proudly declares, in God we trust. And it's why we proudly proclaim that we are one nation under God. The story of America is the story of an adventure that began with deep faith, big dreams, and humble beginnings. The next generation of American leaders never, ever give up. There'll be times in your life you'll want to quit. Never quit. Never stop fighting for what you believe in and for the people who care about you. Carry yourself with dignity and pride. Demand the best from yourself. The more people tell you it's not possible, that it can't be done, the more you should be absolutely determined to prove them wrong. Treat the word impossible as nothing more than motivation. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider the more that a broken system tells you that you're wrong, the more certain you should be that you must keep pushing ahead. You must keep pushing forward. And always have the courage to be yourself. America is better when people put their faith into action. Pray to God and follow his teachings. Today, each of you begins a new chapter as well. When your story goes from here, it will be defined by your vision, your perseverance, and your grit. You will build a future where we have the courage to chase our dreams no matter what the cynics and the doubters have to say. You will have the confidence to speak the hopes in your hearts and to express the love that stirs your souls. As long as you have pride in your beliefs, courage in your convictions, and faith in God, then you will not fail. As long as America remains true to its values, loyal to its citizens, and devoted to its creator, then our best 
days are yet to come. May God bless the class of 2017. May God bless the United States of America. And I just want to let you know that God blesses you. And I want to just say, you are special in every way. God bless you and God bless America. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And that is it. You should never, ever, ever give up. When someone tells you you can't do something, that's when you should be digging in your heels. As we were breaking and listening to this, I um, was so excited to see Philadelphia um, meeting for their attempts to overcome what people in the media, that they're making it look impossible. And then there was Jessica. And we're all Jessica. She said, I went to a grassroots meeting locally tonight. The issue, voting. The only formula in my mind is election integrity. That's how we look forward. Forensic audit. This is where we look back. But they refuse to discuss the machines. We're leaving. They want to control the narrative, control the choosing of candidates. We don't want politicians. We're heading home and I'm fuming. I'm Jessica too. You're Jessica. We all need to use time correctly. There are so many people out there right now that are doing the same thing. I went to a meeting yesterday, and this is why I didn't have a show, where there were a ton of different Ohio groups, groups that are organizing protests, that are using rage and anger and trying to use the leftist tools uh, to bring their voice forward. They're using cliches and statements. Their heart is in the right place. Their execution is mimicking those things that you know don't work. Then there was this fantastic couple that I met that started a new group, which is for small business owners that do not want to be told who and what can be allowed in their business. And they do not want people violating the rights of the business owners. There's two retired um, Air Force veterans. Uh, amazing. And and the, the woman that spoke, Karen, the wife, so cute, um, so poised. And I felt so excited that I was there because I was like, hey, you said you have 50 small businesses. Now you can sue the Ohio Chamber of Commerce for speaking on your behalf, saying that all the businesses in the Chamber of Commerce say they want vax passports and mandated vaccines. Then there were other groups that are organizing because they feel that if they write affidavits uh, and send them, that those are powerful tools. That's one of your cash declaration decrees using the courts, they're all very effective. The one thing that I saw, I, I, I actually, you know, introduced myself. I had like five minutes um, and I told them, hey, I'll be the first one in the state. The only way that you can fix this inverted pyramid, for some reason, the foundation of everything we're doing is at the tip of the pyramid, which are, <laughs> which are the corporations. There is no corporation without the people. There is no consumer if the consumer doesn't want to consume your goods. The corporations, and I've said this before, are consuming you. So how do you fix it? 
Yeah, fix the pyramid. Who's at the base of the pyramid? The people. And the only way you do it, do it is to start small and then up a step, up a step. You can't fix things top down. You got to go bottom up. And the way you go bottom up is by taking control of everything. The most important thing is education. The most important thing is education. And this is, you know, and nobody wants to be first. People are scared of being first. People are, they're going to kill me. If you think that they can kill you, they will. They're going to annihilate me. If you think they can annihilate you, they will. The only way to flip it is by taking back control. Now, um, I will share my lawsuit tomorrow once I know that it has been fully filed correctly because I was waiting on an affidavit uh, that had to be um, verified uh, by uh, a notary. So the person that needed to do it was traveling. Uh, so once I do that, I will send it to you and feel free to replicate for yours because I want every single school board in Ohio to freak out. They need to know that you're removing them. Right now, as I was driving, I was seeing that they're electing a mayor for Cleveland. It's like nobody cares. The minute you're elected, we're removing you. Machines don't work. You can't be elected. You're not the mayor. And just anyone that is being elected is not being elected. I met people running for office and I'm like, why are you running for office? It's going to be very short lived. We're having special elections in 2022. You no longer have a seat. Those machines, every single one of them do not work. So I find I met a great candidate for Lorraine County that's going against, you know, Gonzalez, who totally was like, Trump, Trump, Trump. And then he was like, impeach, impeach, impeach. And it's like, what? Doesn't matter. He's a great guy and maybe for later, right? Because even if he does get elected now, it doesn't matter who gets elected in this, you know, mid cycle off year, right? Doesn't matter. They're not staying. We're not going to let them stay. That's how it works. No matter what, well, I'm elected. No, you're not. If I say you're not, you're not. Who's the president? That's right. We say who's president. Who's the one that we listen to? We say who we listen to, right? For example, all of you that have children, how many of them go to school and wear a mask? Mine doesn't. She simply will not. What are they going to do? Arrest my kid? I dare you. What are they going to do? Suspend her? I dare you. I told you this year is the year of disappointment. Not only will you be disappointed, but you will be disappointing people. And this is how it works. Disappointing. How many people are disappointing Biden? How many people are disappointing their school boards? How many people are disappointing their city councils? How many people are disappointing everything? It's all about realizing just how much power you yield. If in this life, and this is the only life you have, and then you go into oblivion and there's nothing else, then how you spend it doesn't really fucking matter, does it? Does it? Does it? Because either you're disciplined or not disciplined, you're all going to die just the same and 
head off into the oblivion. So you have to think all these people with one foot in the grave, like the Pelosi's, the Graham's, the Biden's, you know, they've got one foot in the grave. They're like on the way out. They're like at that third leg of their life. Why are they so adamant for control? What is it that they seek or what is it that they know or who are they? Those are questions you should ask yourself because usually the older you get, the more you realize how things really are. You have this internal moral compass that you can't avoid. You reflect. Diane Feinstein, her third leg of life, how does she feel knowing about the murders? How does she feel knowing about all the massacres? How does she feel knowing about all the organized cults? How does she feel knowing that she made her way to wherever the hell she is on blood? In retrospect, when she's dying at her last breath, how will she feel about that? The questions, you think they're gonna be happy? These are questions you should be asking yourself so that you can realize what's really happening here. Time is in the eye of the beholder. Time. I'm so tired. I've watched this rerun so many times. And this last go, rewind, rewind, redo, rewind, redo, rewind, only to see if there was anything that was missed in those final moments that can derail it and then amplify. I mean, you can, you watch, you watch, you watch, you watch, and you observe. And through those observations, you make adjustments. There are many that have been watching the same movie for a long time. And obviously there's people that are watching this movie and want it to go one way and not the other. One thing's for sure. Those that are instilling fear in you, making you feel helpless. <laughs> Story of humankind from day one. You're helpless. You're weak. We're in control. You need structure. You're too stupid to make mistakes. Listen to me. Here's how it goes. You wake up in the morning, you go to work, you pay your taxes. Then you got to feed. You need 2.5 children in a white picket fence. That's where you're successful. Listen to me. This is what you need to do. You got to get this job, marry this type of person, do that. And then suddenly after so much structure, they come in and annihilate it. What? You can identify as whatever sex you want. You don't have to get married. You can have 10 baby daddies. You don't need to live in a home with a white picket fence. You want a top tier penthouse or just live off the government. They'll pay your rent, pay your cell phone bill, pay your bills. And you just have to sit there and spread out babies. And all you could do is just smoke crack, watch TV and just have sex. And yeah. So now in a big ambush to humankind, everything that they put you in a box with has been shattered. See, your reality isn't being shattered by realizing what the truth is. Your reality is being shattered on many levels. They had you in a box. They annihilated the box and they're telling you, no, 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 this is normal. And it's like, no, wait a minute. 20 years ago, there was this box, right? We were doing this. 
Now you took this box away and I don't know what I'm supposed to, I don't know if I'm coming, coming, going, like what's going on here. And suddenly everything's starting to make sense. They put you in that box. You were never supposed to be in that box and you're standing outside of that box and you're trying to see, but you've never been outside, but you've never had light and you have light now. So again, we're having elections. How valid are those elections? I see people running. I'm like, why are you running? Uh, it's not, nobody cares. The last president of the United States of America has already came and gone. This is a new dawn. And the faster people realize it, the easier it'll be. This is them on a ventilator, hoping It'll all get fixed. It's fucked up. What is it called? Thubar, right? Fucked up beyond recognition. Totally thubarred. You have the Taliban. Which one, though? Is it the weaponized Taliban or the politicians' Taliban? Is Russia going to take advantage of that? Because, you know, part of that part was Russian. Well, Uzbekistan, that. And then we've got China. China's all over Africa. Africa's rising. Africa's going insane. They're losing their mind. People are starting to uncover all these weird islands with a lot of weird shit on it. And then we want to talk Atlantis, I mean Antarctica. And it's like, what's going on here? People are starting to realize, wait a minute, the map's not right. Suddenly there's, you're bombarded with so much information. And you're like, which one's real? What do I do? Find your still in the chaos. That was something that I tweeted a few years ago and I capped with every single Twitter account I had. That picture of President Trump in Mar-a-Lago where everyone's bustling around him and General Flynn, all of them, like a blur. And there he is sitting peacefully. He found a still. So when you sit there and you have all this real information, false information, middle ground information, kind of true, not really true, the internet psyching you out. In reality, you're being psyched out. You and your gut know this does not make sense. I cannot compute. You know, oh, look, Antarctica, secret bases. Shut up. We've known about it. High jump. Well, Atlantis. Nope. This, that. What? Mars, Venus, people dead. Not really dead. Maybe dead. Ooh. Because they died, that means stop. Take a pause. And do not focus on the things you do not and cannot see with your eyes. Focus on the things you do. And suddenly, everything else is noise. I want to know what this is. You know, what are they doing with the children? Sons of Sam's. North. What is the center of America? What city did they nominate as the center of America with the temple? Think. Antarctica. They don't own half of it. Is there a really half of it? Like, what is it? Did it really sink or did it explode? Did it what? Wait, what did Plato say? Okay. Confusing. Wait, it's a crater. Nope. Mm. We're in the matrix. No. Mm. AI is going to take over robots. We're going to Mars. We're going to Venus. Look, everyone started showing up. Look at me. I'm going in the space shuttle. Said stupid pedo Sir Branson. Oh, no. Bezos said, I'm going to go too. And da, da, da. And it's like, they're a pissing contest to go somewhere that they're not really going to, but you think they're going to. So, hey, 
Think. The only thing that makes sense right now is what you see in front of you. And my voice in your ear, you know that's happening right now, right? Everything else you don't. So think of it as time. (sighs) Time. So in this time, what do you know? You know that the elections were rigged. You know this. Everybody does. Even those that don't want it, know it. So what do you do? You understand that whoever gets elected, you have no control over that because it's fraudulent, whichever way it goes. Nobody cares, right? So you got to focus on learning from your history, which is the audits, in order to fix the future. Got it. What's the next problem? Our kids are fucking retarded. We're teaching kids that a piece of cloth is going to save them from a virus. How the fuck are the kids in science class that actually can do calculations with microscopes sit there and look at it and say, yep, totally legit. We're making them stupid. So what do we do? Our future is bleak if the kids are that dumb. Okay. I'm just saying my daughter sat there and she's looking at stuff under the microscope. She's like, oh, it's this thing. And she's like, but a smoke particle is bigger than that. Oh, and a virus is thousands of times smaller than that. Oh, so if a smoke particle can come out of the mask, why do they think that the virus particle can't go in? Huh, logic, common sense. So what do we do? We take back the youth because the children are important. I mean, every single religious piece of material talks about how important children are. Save the children. Not just from disgusting, satanic, metallic, disgusting acts, but save them because they're your actual future. 2022 is the youth revolution. You watch it happen. They are the future. And the only way to fix any of this is to focus on what you can fix right now with your two hands, your mouth, your eyes, how you can do it. You don't need to go out there and break shit. You don't need to go out there and shout. You need to organize correctly. You don't need to be Bezos and fucking Branson pissing on each other. Look, I can do it better. No, I could do it better. No, follow me. I'm going to do this. And it's like, dude, that train's already gone. There are thousands of people right now across America that we together have created a massive network of tens of thousands of people. And we see it. All right, we're going to focus. We're going to organize and focus. What can I fix? I can save the children. Saving them not just from the demonic demonic hands, but saving them from this idiocracy that they're living in. How did that song go? We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. Leave the kids alone. School boards? We have elections for that. Fuck your elections. There's five of you idiots. Fuck your elections. We're taking over now. We don't need fucking elections. We don't need to drop a ballot in a fucking bogus machine that's going to spit out whoever it wants. We, the people, are going to sit down, and it's not that many of us, and we're going to vote, like, right here. Because fuck your elections. Fuck your policies. Fuck your rules. Fuck your stupid unions. Fuck you. Leave the kids alone. And the minute people focus on just that, well, 
shit starts to make sense. Fuck the teachers too. All of them just go with their collaborative, you know, bargaining agreements. Like I've been reading my school board shit. I I think right now they have, they're probably so pissed because they're like, shit, who the fuck is this bitch? Corruption, money laundering. Oh my gosh. The Ohio lottery thing was just a little snippet. Money laundering, nepotism, uh, bartering, funneling money, self-enrichment. Like the shit goes on and on and on and on. Like I am not going to let this go. Why? Because I know all the other parents are watching in Ohio. All the other parents that are like, I don't know what to do. Like, do I really want to do that? You know, because I've seen school boards where it's like all bitchy and stuff. You think you're so pretty and so rich and stuff. Like I see school board meetings where they literally say, it's like catty high school shit. It's like, they're not God. You are. You're the taxpayer. You're the one that has your kids in that school. Fuck them. On my board, some of them don't even live in the area. Absolutely none of them have kids at the school. One of them is, I don't even know how they're still breathing. Okay. And they're all on the board, on the foundation, like super corruption. Like there will be people going to prison. Prison. And if you looked at your school board in your group, pull it out in your county. <clears throat> Sarah, hey, how many of you are in this county? How, are, how many of you are in the school district? Let's pull that shit up. It could be two of you. It's just an extra set of eyes and ears and noodle. Six inches between the brain. The, the ears is your brain. That's the best quantum computer. You sit there, you guys sink. You don't get it. The only reason everything that we've done together is effective is because we sink. Huh. So could you imagine if all of you, the tens of thousands of you in the various state rooms sat down and said, all right, guys, who's at this school district? I am. Let's hook up. You want to come over to my house? Let's do coffee. We could go to Starbucks, whatever. Let's hang out. Let's pull this shit out. What can we do? All right, this, this, this. Then you guys come back to maybe even your state guardian and say, all right, we think we found this, 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 any way that we can get some help. And then we will find people that can help. No, there's help. There's a lot of us. You'll be surprised who listens to Dory says on the radio. And you'll be surprised who's in your groups. We have some really, really important people in the groups. Obviously, they're not going to go by their names with titles and tiaras, just so you know. And they're all over the state groups. And they adore everything you are doing for them. I know for a fact that one of these people that you guys wrote letters to about the jabs that's decorated actually entered one of the groups and said, please don't give me away. And I will not. They are so excited to see people work like that. So much love and so much effort. So again, focus. What do you know? Fuck the noise, right? Aliens. Antarctica, Atlantis, maybe. Submarines, Nazis, Chinese, aliens. Devil worshippers, Satanists, pedophiles. Let's just put it all out there. Sadistic fucks. Fake AI. Not really actors. Been dead. Hey. Clones. Tons of shit. Junk for the brain. Put it to the side and focus. The minute you focus and you take it task by task, suddenly you'll know the difference between Antarctica and Atlantis. Super quick.
You'll know the difference of what space really means. You'll know the difference about a lot of things because everything suddenly becomes clear. All you need is that first step on the pyramid. You're at the base right now. Let's go. That's all we have to do is go, go, go. President Trump actually talked about the future. Um, I did too about September 11th. It's very important. But listen to what he had to say. Okay, here we go. This was an important portion. Give me a sec. It's muted. Give me a second. There we go. If they were as good at fighting wars as they are at stealing elections and rigging elections, because it was a rigged election, they would, we would have no enemies right now. There would be no enemies to have. They focus on that. That's their focus. Rigging elections. That's what they do. Huh. So what did I tell you? Here's where we go. A little bit in the buff. What was my... Reread my affidavit. He's right. They never really went to war with guns. They would rig elections. It's all about control. <laughs> Again, who gave you their playbook? I guess it was the playwriter. No. And we caught him. Go ahead. Let's talk about immigration. You went there and we have watched since February. The numbers start at 80 to 100,000. Last month's numbers were 212,000 illegals control. coming in from over 100 countries. We know 26% of them have COVID. We know that over 114, I think the number were caught, are from 14 different terrorist nations and groups. So we've got terrorists, we've got drugs, human and sex trafficking. I know that the opioid crisis and the human trafficking, especially with the women and children, those were very near and dear to your heart to fight those hardcore. And those numbers were going down when you way were down. in, record, way down. Record down. I've had on several folks from the border uh, agency that are retired yeah. now because they're allowed to speak with us once they're retired because yeah. Biden has muzzled them to the press, right. especially OAN. They've told me that besides morale being the lowest, compared to when you were in charge just a few months ago, we had the lowest numbers in over 21 years on almost everything. And the highest the drugs. The, By the way, we had morale. They were great. The Border right. Patrol and ICE, you know, they're great people. They're brave people. You wouldn't want the job. You wouldn't want to be an ICE agent and have to go into, they call it a den, a den of MS-13 killers in Chicago or someplace and say, come with me. And you walk in there and the fight start and everything starts. It's very dangerous. These guys, are, these are brave, incredible people. They virtually threw ice to the sidelines. Right. It's, it's really incredible. We had the strongest border in the history of our country. Now we have, eight months later, we have the weakest border by far in the history of our country. We don't even have a border, actually. Why do you think, and this is another thing, just talking like about the Middle East, why would the Biden administration want to allow, by the end of this year, by most figures I've looked up, it's going to be 1.5, 2 million Millions illegals in. Yeah, Millions. two million by the end of the year. Why would you want to do that? Are you trying to then? And I see we're shipping them. They're shipping them to the Midwest, the South, red states mostly. Is this a plan for another way to cheat at elections? So they say it's the votes, but I don't think so again. You know, do you I don't want to be naive. I think they're grossly incompetent. I really do. I don't think it's the votes because they cheat on the elections. They don't need votes. They cheat on the elections. I mean, you look at 43,000 votes were found last night. They cheat on elections. When you cheat on elections, you don't have to destroy the country. They're destroying our country. Our country will not survive this. Our country will not survive. And look at where they're coming from. They're coming from Yemen. They're coming from the Middle East. They're coming from all countries that are very sick countries, very sick, very uh, mean, nasty. 
they're coming from all countries that have problems. They're not going to be helpful to us, these people. And a lot of them are criminals. Right. They're emptying their jails. If you look at Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and others, they're emptying their jails into our country. Can you believe this? We got a win the other day with SCOTUS, though. Your great executive order of the Stay yeah. in Mexico policy that was working for three or four years. Biden, of course, reversed the first what week he was in. SCOTUS ruled against that. So that's one good win. Stay in Mexico. So important. Because I say, stay in Mexico. We don't want you in our country until you can come in legally. Stay in. They had hundreds of thousands of people at the border staying in Mexico. And I built almost 500 miles of wall. Could have had the rest of it finished in one month. Two and a half years of litigation, or I would have had it finished easily. Had to fight everybody. Two and a half years of litigation. Then I started it. Built almost 500 miles. That's one of the reasons the numbers are so low. But he should finish it. He should finish it, and he should finish it. He could do it in a month. Now contractors are suing, wanting more money than they got to build the thing in the first place because they're saying they've been caused great harm by not finishing right. it. The contracts were signed. He pulled it, and it's going to cost the American taxpayer billions. money not to finish billions the wall. Billions and billions of dollars not to build the wall. Yeah. Anyway, but we finished most of it, and it was a tremendous help, and that's what gave us these low numbers, in addition to which I have a very good relationship with the president of Mexico, he gave us 28,000 soldiers free. You know why they were free? Because I said, otherwise I'm going to tear off their cars. So he gave us 28,000 Mexican soldiers free, and it kept our borders so safe during the construction of the wall. Now the wall is almost built, and he doesn't want to finish it. He doesn't want to just do the connections. Right. It's a shame. We and we know why they never wanted the border. Because you can't collapse a nation and you can't take out a tank if you don't get inside. The only way to collapse your nation is with collapsing your infrastructure. I talked about this years ago. That's the only reason they don't want the border. And again, it's all about focus. Focus. Focus on the things you know right now. Everything else is a distraction. Focus on where you're sitting right now, the coffee or drink you're having, my voice, everything. You know that is there present right now with you. And you also know that the biggest problem we have is the lack of common sense. It seems like we're in the world, an upside down world. It makes zero sense. So today at 9.15, I'm going to demonstrate to you how there was an operation within an operation and how a watcher really works by talking about January 6th with Patrick Burton. And you will see how the media is covering it up. And all we can do is speculate as to what they're covering up. But the facts remain facts of what happened, when it happened, how it happened, who, what, when, where, and how convoluted it seems, and onerous sometimes, but uh, common sense prevails. So the focus should be on what you can fix immediately. You can't fix your machines immediately because no one wants to fix them. Maricopa already has the report, and they're trying to not put it out in its entirety. I mean, you know, how many times have you seen a cop say, well, I was investigating uh, PFC Bergie for stealing a lipstick from Walmart. 
But as I was looking at his emails, I saw that he maybe swindled, I don't know, maybe he got paid by so-and-so so much money and then sold crack with it. So what's the cop going to do? He's going to be like, well, you know, that wasn't the scope of the investigation. I was just looking at the lipstick. So I'm just going to totally ignore the money laundering and the crack sale, right? That's the way it is, right? No, it's not. Everything should come forward. So the question you should be asking yourself is, why and who is paying for the, who are they covering up for? And that is going to be the topic of tonight's stereo with Patrick Berge. Who are they coming up, covering up for? Because I identified the one piece in the equation that once you pluck at it, dude, it all comes apart at the seams. It's like that one thread in the sweater that if you pull it, it's done. And yet no one's pulling that thread. They're just hugging the thread and it's like it makes no sense why would you hug a thread that can unravel the whole plot because <laughs> you have to find out who paid for that thread and where that thread is sitting is kind of dangerous so we're going to do that on stereo so focus school boards do you live in a you may not have kids at the school board but you pay taxes you pay school tax Get with your community. Listen to the parents. My kid went to school here. I pay taxes. Fuck your CRT. Fuck your pretension. Because, you know, when I was sitting there listening to the parents on the school board, they were being nice. We would like to ask, fuck you. Don't ask them shit. We're telling you. You're there because we're telling you. Oh, well, you know, there's like good people. They're replacing people on the board. They're going to be on the ballot in a couple months. Fuck the ballot. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's all rigged. You think Soros, Cleveland Clinic, fucking Google, all these people that are funding that district are going to let you pick? Or do you think that really good lady that you know so well can't be bought? Stop. Stop. It is what it is. You know, that's what I always say. People are like, what can we do? It is what it is. Fuck it. That's the way it is. It is what it is. And the fact is that Everybody has a price. I've said this how many times over the years? Every single person had a price. I'll ask you this. Knowing the hell that they want you to go through. If someone came to you and said, hey, stop being on Telegram. Stop writing letters. Right? Stop. I'm going to give you a house in an area that won't be affected. You won't be forced to take the vaccine. You'll have a nice job. Your kids will be taken care of and you will have the best health care. You just stay out of it. Guarantee about 80% of you would take that deal. It's self-preservation. It's the ugliest quality, but I'm telling you, majority of the people will take that. If you sit and think about it and you knew and they could show you the future, this is going to be a future. Great. You're going to have nice food. You're going to be fine. Everyone else is going to be fucked, but you're going to be fine. You just stay out of it. Keep your mouth shut. I'm sorry. We say, but when it comes down to it, you'll be surprised what people do. I mean, I won't wear a mask, but my cat's life was in, I was, lady was like, put your mask on. And I was like, how many do you want me to put on? Tell me how many you want me to put on so you can look at my cat. And my daughter, she put it on her forehead and she was like, fuck that. I'm social distancing in this square over here. They have, I'm not doing it. And I was like, I was not willing to, for his life, not wear a mask. I would comply for him to get a mask. So I sold out on my morals to get my cat looked at so he doesn't die. Think about it. 
Think about carefully what I'm telling you. I mean, obviously, I know that it doesn't really matter if I wear my mask in there or not, right? It's not going to affect anything, but I'm just pointing it out. I did that. I, I literally said, how many masks do you want me to wear so that you can look at my cat? So she knew I wasn't complying. I was doing it to fucking satisfy her stupid face. And I was like, give it to me. Again, everybody has a price. Everybody. So on that note, I'm going to bid you guys good night. And for those that I will see on Serio in about 15 minutes, God bless. Education. We don't need no thought control.